2: It's 11 a.m. on a raw, raw Thursday morning in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports. On your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM, Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, your trusty, trusty if not talented host of the program. We're with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by... Peter chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard, north in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Wow. What are we, nine days, eight days? Well, ten days, I guess it is. The math, the math has never been good on this one. About ten days away from Valentine's Day, one week from Super Bowl Sunday as it sits. Need to get by 1530 McFarland Boulevard, north, and get that special someone taken care of, those hand-dipped, Chocolate strawberries, you can call and order them right now, pre-order, 7520211 Yes, they also ship to all corners of the globe, as a matter of fact. You'd be amazed the different locations that have received chocolate from that little old chocolate store over there in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa, of course, Peterbrook Chocolatier. Executive producer of the program is the one, the only Jacob Harrison. And together, we combine to form the 60 bit of of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, how are you doing on this cold, raw, chilly Thursday morning?
1: I've got the window open in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I like it cold, man, so it feels good to me. I'm doing great, though.
2: Are you kind of like me? I was thinking about that this morning. The, uh, the hot water heater can never be hot enough for me when it comes to the shower, and then that ceiling fan needs another gear. Even when it feels like there's sort of this chopper over the bed about to take off, I, I want I want that ceiling fan cranked up an even higher level. Are, are you kind of that way too, Jacob? Man,
1: we are on the same page. The AC doesn't get cold enough either. <laughs>
2: yeah, and that hot water heater, man. You got to have that baby just cranked up. Got to have it cranked up. We'd love to hear from you on this Thursday morning at 205-342-9904. We will have Chris Hummer. The professorial Chris Hummer will join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk some National Signing Day. Pretty uneventful, wasn't it? Just the way Alabama fans wanted it. I mean, there was some news after our show yesterday in the afternoon as Terrian Arnold, a five-star defensive back, according to the 247sports.com rankings. Now, he's a four-star when you look at it from the composite viewpoint, but another big hit, just what Alabama needed, right? A high four, low five to go with what it already had in the boat, but Terrian Arnold, outstanding pickup to go into that Alabama secondary, a guy that played some corner in high school played some safety play some damn good basketball while he's at it how about the basketball players in this football class for Alabama it's not just enough to have the number one ranked recruiting class in recruiting ranking industry history you got a couple of these guys in Jaquincy McKinstry and Terry and Arnold that are standalone division one college basketball prospects now It'll be interesting to see how that pass sort of plays out for them here at Alabama. A couple things working against them. You heard Nick Saban yesterday afternoon in his National Signing Day Zoom teleconference with the media sort of speak to the uh, overlap that you have with the college football and college basketball seasons. There's also a couple of other things to consider there as well. And maybe, look, maybe both these guys will be Charlie Ward. All over again at Florida State, for all we know. Tony Gonzalez uh, at Cal back in the day. But a couple of other things that are going to be tough is the position they play guard. Guard is a position where you need to be consistently repping your craft, ball handling, shooting. You know, those aren't things that get better when you don't have the ball in your hand on a consistent basis. And also just the level. The level of talent that Nate Oates <laughs> continues to bring into this program. And that was on display again last night as the Alabama men's basketball team to a historic start. Just a historic Wednesday all the way around over there off Bryant Drive, wasn't it? National Signing Day, historic. Alabama 10-0 and 0 in the SEC, historic. Uh, and the depth. The depth shows up in that win over LSU last night. Uh, by Alabama standards again. Not necessarily pretty, not necessarily right out of the manual of the NATO style of play. Just six made threes, but as you go through the second time around with some of these SEC opponents, LSU was not going to let Alabama make 23 threes again, or even have a a good look at 23 threes, and as a result, committed to that approach. Uh, As you heard, Dane Bradshaw, I thought, very astutely point out on the broadcast last night on ESPNU, LSU seemed intent on running Alabama off the three-point line or at least staying with those guys out there. And what you got were a lot of opportunities in the paint. And Alabama rung up to the tune of 52 points in the paint, doubled up LSU in the paint. Last night, 52 to 26. And again, the bench, the debt comes into play. You get more of the Javon Quinterly that you'd like to see on a consistent basis. Yes, he did turn it over four times, but he also gave you 10 points, three rebounds, three assists. Keon Ellis off the bench with 10 points, seven rebounds. Um, Jawan Gary, very, very impressive. In just 14 minutes, Jawan Gary gives Alabama 12 points, 7 rebounds, and uh, so your bench for Alabama last night outscores the LSU bench by a total of 34-7. to seven. Very nice rebound. Rebound, I mean, you could literally talk about the rebounding last night. Alabama with a 16-board edge on the glass, but rebounding from that loss over the weekend against Oklahoma – a game in which Alabama did not have a single second-chance point in Norman. Last night, they had 17 second-chance points, just four for LSU. So, again, Alabama 10-0 and 0 in the Southeastern Conference. Big one at Missouri coming up on Saturday. Another early tip-off in what is essentially Big 12 territory, right? Missouri got a win over Kentucky. Kentucky could have done Alabama solid in Como last night. Hung around, had a chance, but kind of typical Kentucky for this season anyway. 75-70, Missouri gets the job done and uh, manages to stay, I guess, what, three games back in the lost column of Alabama with that big game on tap for Saturday. 205-342-9904. The tough thing about SEC basketball this year is you can't hardly get a handle on the rest of the league. Alabama's sitting there at a perfect 10-0, but then you have games like last night. I mean, Did you really see South Carolina going into Gainesville and beating Florida last night after South Carolina had lost to Vanderbilt over the weekend? Vanderbilt's first SEC win, one of its only SEC wins since, I don't know, since Will Purdue played at Vanderbilt, it felt like anyway. That's how bad it's been for Vanderbilt in recent years. South Carolina gets beat by Vanderbilt over the weekend, then goes to Gainesville and beats Florida last night. After Florida, over the weekend, had gone to West Virginia in the SEC Big 12 Challenge and gotten a win over 11th-ranked WVU. You got Georgia playing better, Vandy coming up for Alabama. Again, beat South Carolina over the weekend now, though. You got Texas A&M in a COVID pause. As a result of that, you had A&M and Vanderbilt uh, postponed last night. So, uh, yeah, uncertainty throughout the league. Missouri has been pretty consistent, though. Got blown out in its SEC opener at home by Tennessee. But since that point forward, Mizzou has been very, very solid. And sort of like Alabama, what you're seeing, maybe it's similar to what we saw during the football season. Veteran teams are being rewarded for being vets, for being old. Missouri's that kind of team as well. Alabama, that kind of team with John Petty, Herb Jones, Alex Reese, some of these JC transfers, Jordan Bruner, a grad transfer. Age is being rewarded. The veteran teams are being rewarded to this point of the SEC season. 205 342 Nine nine zero four again. National Signing Day, historic for the Alabama Crimson Tide, even by Nick Saban standards. And you know, we can talk about the recruiting rankings. We did that yesterday on the program. When you look at some of the past classes uh, that have come through here, some big time groups. The standard is simple. It's not all that hard to figure out. If you're talking about a four-year stretch at Alabama for a recruiting class, the expectation is going to be that you win a national championship that's happened in every class to this point under Nick Saban. But not only that, you're going to be expected to play for at least two. And really, I think most people look at it and think, well, they should win at least two. That's where that 2017 class really needed – this most recent national championship to sort of validate itself as an all-time class. Not that the NFL draft won't speak to that. When you end up calculating all the first round picks that are going to come from that 2001, excuse me, 2017 group, uh, it'll very much have validation. Uh, But you talk about 2008. And when you include some of the fifth year guys in that group, like Barrett Jones and some others, Three national championships. But if you were a four-year guy in that 2008 class, like a Mark Barron, um, like a Dante Hightower, who else did you have in that group? Damian Square, some of those guys. I mean, you're going to win at least two. And so you come in here as the number one ranked recruiting class in recruiting coverage industry history I think two is going to be the minimum if you're a four-year dude here and if you're a three and out if Vegas put a total on it put a number on it it'd probably be one and a half one and a half for this uh for this group because uh you know it's not like it's sporadic with Nick Saban in Alabama when it comes to recruiting. There isn't that, say, 13th-ranked class mixed in every couple of years to go with, say, a 5th-ranked and then, oh, a top-ranked class. It's just one, 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 maybe a two. Nine of the last 11 years, you're talking about top-ranked class? Top-ranked classes? Train just keeps rolling, man. And if you're wondering when a 69-year-old dude is going to slow down on the recruiting trail, the answer seems to be not anytime soon. Nick Saban, very much in his element still when it comes to recruiting. And as I've talked about on the program, I know people probably get tired of hearing it, but I look at Florida, you look at the team rankings after yesterday in recruiting, and you look at all of the excitement and sort of the uh, success to a large extent that Florida had on the football field this year. I see Florida 13th, 13th in recruiting. Behind Miami. I don't, you know, We talked about Dan Mullen and recruiting on the show before. And I understand, yeah, Dan's carved out a nice niche for himself in that transfer portal. But 13th at the University of Florida? And then you kind of wonder, well, what will Florida look like on a yearly basis under Dan Mullen? You're already seeing preseason or offseason top 25s for next year where Florida's ranked 15th through 20th. Somewhere in that neighborhood? Meanwhile, University of Georgia, whatever you think of Kirby, there's Kirby again yesterday, top three class, and guess where Georgia's going to be ranked in the preseason? Top five, just like Ohio State, just like Clemson, even LSU. If you're Florida and you see LSU with the fourth-ranked class in the country, knowing that LSU has Title IX issues and NCAA issues, What are you thinking about that if you're a Florida fan right now? We're going to step aside for our first break. we come back, more of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this.
3: This is Crimson Tide today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by SunSouth John Deere, the preferred tractor equipment for Alabama athletics. Visit sunsouth.com or any of their 21 locations across the southeast. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. The Alabama men's basketball team improved to 10-0 and in conference play with a 78-60 to win over the LSU Tigers on Wednesday night at Coleman Coliseum. Head coach Nate Oates met with the media after the win.
2: Thought it was a quality win. We obviously didn't play well, you know, offensively as far as shooting the ball. Had a few too many turnovers, but, you know, we got to find ways to win when we're not hitting 23 threes. And, you know, I told our guys we may not do that. You know, they LSU came out, guarded us a lot better than they did the first time. You would have expected that. You know, they've got some pride over there. And, you know, what we did to them in their gym, we anticipated them playing us a lot better than they did. You know, we went 6-24 of from three. I'll have more in a moment. Have you priced a new John Deere tractor lately? SunSouth John Deere has a full line of affordable lawn and tractor equipment this season. SunSouth John Deere has an affordable roster for everyone, from riding mowers to utility vehicles and lots of tractors. Stop by any of the 21 locations across Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, or visit sunsouth.com to find out what is right for you. Any budget, any project, SunSouth has you covered. Proud to be the preferred tractor equipment dealer of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Join us Thursday
3: afternoon for Crimson Drive, presented by Regions Bank on the CTSN Facebook page. Streaming live at 2 p.m. Central, we'll have conversations with Tide legend Lawson Schaefer, football sideline reporter Rashad Johnson, and women's basketball head coach Christy Curry. That's Crimson Drive, presented by Regions Bank, this afternoon at 2 p.m. Central on the CTSN Facebook page. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Sun South John Deere.
0: Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. The sky becoming mostly cloudy this afternoon. The high today, 62. Cloudy tonight. Rain likely at times. The low at 39. Tomorrow becoming partially sunny. The high 52. Saturday, a mix of sun and clouds during the day. Some rain Saturday night. The high 55. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama Visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied.
2: tonight at coleman six o'clock women's basketball two teams in the sec that are tied for sixth place at five and three in conference action alabama and uga coached of course by former alabama player joni taylor teams project as ncaa tournament teams right now which is significant considering that alabama women's basketball hasn't appeared in an ncaa tournament since 1999 so both look to be in good shape as far as the ncaa tournament is concerned but trying to maintain position in the top half of a league that right now figures to send six teams well no excuse me probably more like eight teams to the NCAA Women's Tournament. Should be a good one over there tonight at Coleman Coliseum. Jordan Lewis, Jasmine Walker, and who else? That's the key for Alabama women's basketball. Need another one. Need another one to go with Walker and Lewis tonight. Although, I don't think this Georgia team can score enough to win tonight. Coleman Coliseum. I think the Alabama women get it done. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. Jacob, I've now gone twenty minutes into the program without talking about the Super Bowl. Is that some kind of record for Tide one hundred point nine FM this week, or uh, what's the what's the feeling been like that you've been able to sort of encounter there as far as Super Bowl talk is concerned?
1: Well, I don't think Gary actually brought it up at all today. So I, I, you <laughs> might be on a you know at least extending his record that he has created uh, okay. cuz ludman was all about it james ludman filling oh, in I on inside james- the locker oh, yeah. room, you know but yeah
2: it's uh it's interesting because we don't have i know they had opening night monday and they've done you know kind of virtual media day and stuff like that but man it just doesn't have the feel or the build up of, at all of a super bowl and i mean you're talking about Kind of a dream matchup that most people wanted to see. The young gun, Patrick Mahomes, the old uh, gunslinger, and uh, Tom Brady. It's, it's very attractive matchup, but it's almost like, as crazy as it sounds, the Super Bowl is going to sneak up on us. Not going to let them fire the cannons there, I guess, at Raymond James, huh, Jacob, for the... Uh, for the Bucs?
1: Uh, Lutman says that it they'll fire them when they take the field, and should they win the game, they will also... No touchdowns, though. Yeah, but no touchdowns. Want to try to make this a, a neutral environment. Uh, I, I don't see how it can really be that neutral of an environment. They're, they're also the home team, so they get to use their regular locker room. Everything's kind of looking up for the Bucks in this regard, except for the one end zone that will say Chiefs. <laughs>
2: Yeah, should be a good one, though. Looking forward to the game itself, but just not not a lot of buzz around uh, around the Super Bowl. 205-342-9904. Now, uh, what we're seeing here in the last few moments, the uh, the preseason All-SEC softball team has been announced. Of course, we've got, we're excited about both softball and baseball cranking up here in the next couple of weeks, man. Murph? And the softball team at Alabama kind of got to hit the reset button after that uh, shortened season a year ago and bringing back so, so much talent. And it's showing up in the form of three all-SEC selections for Alabama. Montana Fouts outfielder Alexis Mack, also another outfielder, and KB Sides are among the 17 league honorees to be named preseason All-SEC earlier today. Second most of any team in the league, Alabama's three selections, uh, tied with Arkansas and only trailing LSU's four preseason picks. Now, look, I'm all with Fouts, Mack, and Sides being preseason selections, but where's Bailey Hempel? you know? What, did did I miss something? I checked the roster. I mean, I literally when I saw this, I literally checked the roster. And where, where, where's where's Bailey Hempel? Did she did she leave with Skylar Wallace or something? I missed it. No, she's still on the roster. So a little surprised by that. But uh, yeah, we're still looking forward to the start of the season coming up here. Murph uh, taking the team out to Austin. What should be a couple of really good matchups with homestanding Texas and also Arizona out there. And then you're going to have baseball cranking up here very, very soon. Brad Bohannon's team projecting as a top 25 club. You know, you can be top 25 in the SEC in baseball and still finish like ninth in the league. I mean, that's what we're talking about as far as uh, depth, obviously, in hardball. In the Southeastern Conference, two zero five three four two nine nine zero four is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Hey, um, it's mock draft season too, and I know my guy Jacob loves it. You just absolutely love the mock draft season, I know you do. Yeah, there he is, there he is. And so, what we're seeing today is Lance Zerline of uh, NFL.com. He's got 1.0 out there, and if you're interested, he has Devontae Smith going third overall. Reunited, and it feels so good with Tua tonga in and the Miami Dolphins. How about that? Devontae and Tua back together down in South Florida. Now, Zerline, he has Patrick Sertan. Sertan, Jacob, he's kind of been all over the board. And for some guys, I know Bucky Brooks of NFL.com. He has Devontae down in the middle of the first round. Devontae's been a little bit scattered with some folks. But Sertan, it seems like, has been anywhere from... I've seen Sertan anywhere from two to mid-teens. And in Lance Zerline's first mock... He's got Sertan going fourth overall to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, You go down the list, Jalen Waddell, number 11 overall to the New York Giants. Uh, You get into, ah, he's got, I mean, this is low, isn't it, for Justin Fields? Lance Irline's got Justin Fields going 15th overall to the New England Patriots. We've seen Mac Jones in some mock drafts in that spot. Uh, otherwise looking for some more Alabama guys, he's actually got Travis Etienne as the first running back off the board instead of Najee Harris to the New York Jets there at number 23, uh, Christian Barmore, according to Lance Zerline, number 26 overall to the Cleveland Browns, Landon Dickerson, according to Lance Zerline. Number 29 overall to the Green Bay Packers. You know, some guys just seem like they should be a part of certain organizations. Landon Dickerson seems like a Packer, doesn't he? No. Yeah. No! He seems what like a Steeler. Okay, well, <laughs> I mean, I know where.
1: You the know, Packers thought, have one of the best centers in the NFL. I don't what is Where does this? Well,
2: you can play him at guard. You I mean, sure. But, yeah. He's an interior guy. You can play him at I guard. I guess, I guess. You just want him in. You want him in the Steel City. I mean, that's all. That
1: I want from. about three or four Bama guys this year, because <laughs> because three or four Bama guys are, are offensive linemen and running backs and a quarterback, and that's what the Steelers need.
2: <laughs> I'll tell you what. If Landon can go first round with his injury history, that's uh, that that's that's pretty pretty doggone good. And so, uh, Landon Irvine again, Landon Dickerson to the Green Bay Packers. Now uh, he has a run on Alabama players here. Uh, kind of 26, 26 through 30, he's got three guys going. And in that number 30 spot, he's got uh, Najee Harris going to the Bills at number 30. We've seen Najee in that spot a couple times now, I think, in the, uh, in the mock draft. So, obviously, a strong contingent, no Mac Jones, I don't think. I'm not seeing Mac Jones in this first round, yeah. No Mac Jones in the first round for Lance Zerline. Uh, no Alex Leatherwood in the first round for Lance Zerline. Uh, and that's your extent of Alabama guys in this latest mock draft. We're going to head to another break. When we come back, more college football talk. Coming up with the professorial one, Chris Hummer, the national college football writer for 247sports.com or good pal Chris well, join us here on the program when Southern Fried Sports returns on Tide 100.9 FM right after this.
0: You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: 73 years ago, and the dude still rocks, Alice Cooper, really good golfer, too, single-digit handicap at last check, kind of wouldn't expect it, given the old stage presence of Al, would you, 73 years old today, the one, the only, Alice Cooper, I don't think it's Chris Hummer's birthday. But we're going to check in with him anyway. Does an outstanding job as the National College Football Writer for 247sports.com the day after National Signing Day. And, Chris, I think we had this conversation, it seems like, every year. And it seems like I always ask you, was this the least anticipated February signing date since we've gone to the two periods? It, it felt that way. I mean, for Alabama, it ended up great. But, uh, wow, just the hype and the buzz, it it continues to dissipate, it seems like.
4: Yeah, I think National Signing Day probably needs to be changed in terms of a term because the early signing period is quite clearly the new National Signing Day. On paper, like, it was about the same. 75% of recruits signed um, in December, which is about the same number as we'd seen in the previous years. But I just think this... This national signing day lacked some of the five star punch that we've seen in the past. Um, in past years, a couple five stars have announced on ESPN or on 24/7 Sports, and we really didn't we really didn't have that kind of intrigue this year. And pair that with not having any crazy flips or anything like that, and it it did kind of feel like a uh, slower than normal national signing day for sure. I certainly miss the old Februarys where crazy things would happen every five minutes. It seemed like.
2: So let's talk about some teams that maybe flew under the radar a little bit, or especially some that were impacted by coaching changes. Both of them, two of them that we'll talk about with the UT monikers, both Tennessee and also uh, the University of Texas. Interesting to see those two teams right there in the same neighborhood of the top 20 of the 24-7 sports composite team rankings You know, we talked uh, early last year or in the first quarter or so of last year about the job that Jeremy Pruitt was doing early in that cycle uh, and getting uh, a lot of important recruits on board early. And, you know, it looks like Josh Heupel might benefit from that, a a 16th-ranked class for Tennessee. Now, I think there's some guys in that class like a Dylan Brooks that may be looking to get out of their letters of intent. So some re-recruitment, I guess, going to need to take place for a guy like Hypel, not only in terms of the transfer portal and trying to keep existing players on the roster, but members of this 2021 class, too. And then right there behind Tennessee in the number 17 position, Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns. How do you think teams like that came through this, or is it still is it still too early to tell because of the work those guys might have to do to, to maintain their rosters and their classes?
4: Well, I think transition classes are always really difficult, no matter who the head coach is and no matter what the situation is. Um, we've seen it kind of time and time again. Uh, I think Bud Elliott, uh, my colleague at twenty four seven colleague at twenty four seven Sports, put out an article recently looking at how transition coaches have fared. And outside of those that were internally hired, your Ryan days, your um, Lincoln Riley's, those who have kind of inherited new jobs in the early signing period era have really struggled both on the recruiting trail and on the field simply because they're put in such a difficult position. You get your new job in December, signing day is like two weeks away. You have to both convince players already committed to you that it's staying aboard while other schools kind of try to poach them left and right. And you also have to convince new prospects that this regime is going to be different moving forward and usually schools aren't all that successful at doing both of those at the same time because it's a really tenuous position. You usually see the gains the following cycle, and for what it's worth, Steve Sarkisian, at least, in 2022, is recruiting really well um, in the state of Texas. He's picked up a couple of top 100 players in the last week or so. Um, I think Josh Peifel's in a much more difficult position. He's less of a known name nationally. He's at a program that's really been stuck in the mud recently, and as you said before, he's got players bleeding both from his 2021 class and the transfer portal uh but overall like i mean a guy like josh heupel is going to have a much more talented roster than he had at ucf and even steve Sarkeesian, who's leaving alabama still has really talented players on this texas roster um he was able to maintain somebody like jatavian sanders a five-star recruit in the 2021 class so they're building blocks for him to work with, but yeah, um, it's a really difficult position coaches on with transition classes are put in.
2: You're in Austin. I've been to Austin, been to the university of Texas, seen the facilities. Um, why would it be hard for Texas to recruit at a top five level? I, I, that's where I, I get a little bit stumped.
4: It's the thing is it's not, I mean, it's, I mean, recruiting at a top five level in college football is difficult. The competition is very fierce. But Tom Herman uh, from 2018 to 2020 had three straight top six classes, which kind of goes back to the roster talent we were talking about a second ago that he's inher- or Steve Sarkisian is inheriting. But this year was kind of a interesting concoction of negative recruiting. And also, just frankly, Tom Herman was on the hot seat pretty much from week four on. And it resulted in players like Billy Bowman, who ended up signing with Oklahoma, top 50 prospect, backing away from Texas. Texas lost a lot of head-to-head battles that it would have liked to have won. And I think after a while, and I think that really applies to the Brockmire twins, when Texas isn't showing it can win consistently, um, that's going to harm you on the trail. I think Steve Sarkeesian will probably deal with kind of the new coach bump pretty soon. And you'll see him recruit on for an elite level for a year or two. But at that point, you kind of have to win. And that's what both Charlie Strong and Tom Herman ran into. Both of them recruited really well for a time. Charlie Strong actually had back-to-back top 10 classes um, for two years. But if the results aren't there, eventually recruits are going to back away from that, which is exactly what we saw with Tom Herman for most of the 2021 cycle.
2: Are you more surprised to see with all the dark clouds around Baton Rouge – LSU with a top four class for the 2021 cycle, Chris, or maybe Florida down at 13th, given a lot of the positivity for a lot of the season. Obviously, the finish wasn't great. Um, which one of those surprises you more? LSU, given the circumstances at four, or Florida down at 13?
4: I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't think really either one of them surprises me. Edwards-Duron's always been an elite recruiter. And as dark as those clouds look, and justifiably so, there's some pretty nasty allegations coming out of that program right now. If a guy like Will Wade can keep his job and continue to recruit at LSU, like, I'm, I'm sure Ed Orgeron can figure out a way. Um, so seeing that happen is not that surprising, especially when you consider a post-national championship bump. I don't think Alabama fans ever really have to deal with this because they're just good every year, and they're used to recruiting at an elite level every year a post-national championship bump or a post-good season bump usually comes the cycle after, not the cycle that's happening at that time. So a lot of these kids who committed to LSU in the 2021 class did so watching LSU win the national championship. So I'm not surprised to see them in the position they were at number four. And when it comes to Florida, like Dan Mullen's just not known as a recruiter. Like that's been a criticism against him almost his entire career. Um, He does not really have a staff full of superstar recruiters. That is not his priority. He has always been a developmental guy, uh, and I think that's part of the reason why Florida is falling short at least early in his tenure. But Dan Mullins also used a lot of his resources in the transfer portal, adding guys like Eric Gilbert, so their um, class is not quite as large as some of the other programs in the top ten. So I think, I think both of those things are easily accounted for if you're kind of following the daily machinations of it.
2: Interesting that when you look at the 24 seven sports composite player rankings, Chris, you don't see a quarterback in the top 10 is, is that something that's happened often here in, in recent history or recent memory? It seems like there's always a quarterback in the top 10. Now you've got Sam Heward. I guess he's one of those Hewards, right? I mean, there's Brock, there's there are like 30 of them in, in the state of Washington. Um, but, but no quarterback in, in the top 10 this year.
4: Yeah, it's interesting. It actually it happens a little more than I think people might think, especially when you consider quarterbacks for the position almost guaranteed to go number one in the draft. Spencer Rattler was the number 11 overall player in the 2019 class, and he was the number one quarterback. And I think this year, kind of like 2019, you had a really deep stable of quarterbacks. Um, there are a lot of quarterbacks in the top 100, more than normal. But you did not have that slam dunk lock number one overall player like you had with Trevor Lawrence or with a DJ Uyongale or with even with a Bryce Young. There wasn't that kind of outstanding passer. And I think another part that kind of factored into that is the quarterback 24-7 sports had number one, Caleb Williams, who signed with Oklahoma, did not play his senior season. I think if he had played his senior season and we had gotten tape on him, along with Sam Herod as well, who did not play a senior season, if either one of those had had their final year of kind of development on tape, they might've been able to be bumped up into the top 10, but with so many questions about them uh, and that lack of kind of um, proof on tape from their senior year, I think it was safer to kind of for the industry to slide them into the teens in terms of ranking um, because you don't want to bust on those top 10 players.
2: What's your biggest takeaway from this latest Alabama class? Obviously it's historic in terms of its ranking, Uh, As a group, but uh, maybe there's an individual or two within the class, or maybe it's just this ability to sustain by Nick Saban as he approaches 70 years of age, and you know, kind of the message maybe that sends to opposing coaches out there that uh, this guy doesn't appear to be going away anytime soon.
4: Yeah, I can I completely agree with that assessment. Like, there's no doubt. I think people would love to kind of. Nick Saban's going to retire rumors out there, but I think this class is a testament to the fact that he works as hard as anybody on the recruiting trail. He evaluates as hard as anybody on the recruiting trail. Like a lot of the guys in this class ended up rising up the rankings as time went on simply because they had the tape that kind of led that to happen. And when you consider all of the kind of turnover Alabama staff seems to have year after year, you would think that would affect Alabama's ability to recruit. But when Nick Saban is kind of the presence he is at the top of the Alabama program, Like there's no doubt Alabama's going to recruit well, and it's a signal to recruits everywhere that if you come to Alabama while Nick Saban's still the head coach, you're going to be relevant. And I think Tim Watts put out a stat a couple weeks back where every Alabama class has won a national championship, at least one, and when you're selling that, like to 17 and 18 year olds, it's hard to say no, especially when you consider their NFL draft um, development. And you could look at this class individually. It fills a ton of needs. um, Two of the best offensive tackles in the country, the best wide receiver group in the country, the best defensive back group in the country in this class. Like there's needs filled everywhere. But I just think if you're looking at the totality of it, you just have to kind of marvel at what Nick Saban's done year after year after year. And this is, at least on paper, his best class ever, which is just a testament to him and that program.
2: Yeah, you've done a great job in the past of analyzing the conversion rate of five stars to first round picks and the, the great gulf between Alabama and the rest of college football and being able to do that at a at a very high rate, and now you're going to have seven more from this class, this class alone to consider. Hopefully, in the uh, in the in the coming years. Hey, Chris, as we let you go here, just wanted to get your your pick of of, of the Power Five jobs that have turned over at the head coach level. Which one do you think is, is the best hire? Which which opening do you believe uh, got it right more so than than maybe anywhere else? No, that's an interesting question. Um, man, Tennessee, I really, South Carolina. I liked the
4: Brian Harston hire at Auburn. I think SEC administrators have really, for a long time, had a terrible kind of take that you have to be an SEC coach to succeed in the SEC. And if you just look at Nick Saban and you look at Urban Meyer, the two best coaches come through the SEC. Potentially ever, or at least in the last like 30 years, like there's proof that you do not have to be an SEC coach to succeed. And I think if you're Auburn and you hope to succeed, you have to go in a bit of a different direction. So hiring Brian Harson, a guy who's won everywhere uh, he's been, I think makes a ton of sense. He knows how to build a program, and I, I did like that hire. The Steve Sarkeesian one was really interesting. Um, I think Texas, more than anything, needed a reset offensively. They needed to essentially get some juice in that system, and I think Steve Sarkeesian and the staff he puts together did that immediately. So those are, at least offhand, those are the two that really jumped out to me. Those hires can end up busting in a really significant way, but I think those two schools filled needs they had and hired one of the best coaches available to fill them um, in both cases in kind of surprising ways.
2: So those would be the two schools I'd point to. So put it down. Chris Hummer with Auburn and Texas at the top of his hires list for this turnover at the head coaching level in college football. Hey, Chris, we really appreciate the time, my man. Always great stuff. Always fun catching up with you. Always great work there at 247sports.com as well. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much. There he goes. Chris Hummer, national college football writer for 247sports.com. If you haven't already, Give Chris a follow on Twitter, at Chris underscore Hummer, H-U-M-M-E-R. Back with more of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Sky
0: becoming mostly cloudy this afternoon. The high today, 62. Cloudy tonight. Rain likely at times. The low at 39. Tomorrow becoming partially sunny. The high, 52. Saturday, a mix of sun and clouds during the day. Some rain Saturday night. The high, 55. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Boop, boop, boop.
2: the Schreier Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show as always brought to you by Peter Chocolate Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard north of the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Chocolate Lady's got her game face on out there, man. Got her game face on. She's got a squad, too. She's got a squad. They're getting it done. Getting ready. Already knocking out orders for Valentine's Day, of course, coming up one week from Sunday. It'll be here before you know it. 205-752-0211. Give them a call. Get those pre-orders in. They can ship for you. Not going to ship those chocolate-covered strawberries. Trust me, you don't want that. You don't want that to happen. You want those strawberries. You want those berries fresh. Not going to get them from Peterbrook if they're more than a day old. They're not same-day-dipped. You're not getting them from Peter Brook. That's just how they roll. It's how the chocolate lady rolls. I'm not arguing with her. You can. I'm not. Hey, uh, again, Super Bowl Sunday coming up. And uh, I'm so not excited. It's not that I'm disinterested. I'm interested in the Super Bowl. It's just that I'm not, it's not even for me really sort of, must-see or destination tv for sunday i'm going to be traveling during the game <laughs> on sunday but you're going to be able apparently cbs is making it where you can watch the game for free online i don't know if you knew that that'll be nice jimmy nance tony romo they'll be ready for you on cbs um what about a jacob harrison you're gonna you gonna have a spread you're gonna have sort of a setup uh yeah, you know, what do you what do you do? Do you do anything special for the bowl, Jacob?
1: Well, don't have any hard plans yet, and I know that's uh, incredibly procrastinary on Thursday. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, there, you know, the whole the whole nine, uh, the all, all the food in the world, you know, yeah. Rotel dip is a must, you know, mm-hmm. wings, yada yada. Yeah.
2: Now are you a uh, are you a flats or drums guy when it comes to the wings?
1: I am. I am both. Uh, I, I do actually prefer the flats a little bit more because I mean, if if you got a good technique on how to get all the meat off the bone, they're much easier to eat. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's whole theories on it though.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, all you got to do, you know, is take the the smaller, like the tibia. I don't know what that is. the 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 ulnar or whatever that is. All you got to do is take that bone out off the side, and then you just work the. You know, you just rip it right off
1: yeah know? i can't tell you how many times though and you're absolutely right i mean easiest method in the world and so yeah. many people i know would like gnaw on it like it's
2: like t- it's <laughs> funny like you know like, they're trying to works. eat a rib yeah like they're trying to eat a rib through the two bones you know it's like come on yeah you're not from the south apparently if you if you don't get that no you did have the right answer though for flats and drums the right answer is yes If someone asks you, if someone has a plate of wings and says, here, would you like, do you prefer drums or uh, flats? The proper, the correct answer is just yes. Yes, both. Absolutely. No doubt about that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, no spread for me, I guess, this year. Going to be on the road. Going to be traveling. Going to be keeping up, though. Thank goodness for technology, right? Absolutely, be able to keep up with the game, see how, you know, Tom Brady, we talked about it earlier in the week, in Vegas, his total for interceptions in the game is just a hook. It's just a half. Got to go over that, don't you? Tom's going to throw a pick. Come on. I mean, is Tampa Bay going to be able to run the ball well enough that Tom's not going to throw it 30, 35-plus times? Eh. I think Chris Jones in that front seven for the Chiefs will be able to hang in there good enough against the run. Tom's going to have to throw it 35 times, isn't he? you really going to bank on Leonard Fournette? Fournette's been good in the postseason. This is the big Leonard Fournette tease that the Jacksonville Jaguars got three years ago, by the way. So don't fall in love, Bucks fan. This ain't the real Lenny. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's going to do it for a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks to Chris Hummer. Thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing the show. The lunch whistle on this Thursday, now that we've gotten you hungry talking about chicken wings. Well, go get the best pizza you're ever going to put in your mouth. It's right here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It's Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Weekly, weeknight specials. We're going to have uh, another one tonight for you. I think it's ladies night down there at uh, Heat Pizza Bar. So check it out downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza until 11 a.m. on Friday. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.